Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Audrey. And I'm Katie. And today we are finally, (laughs) finally discussing Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, part two, part two, (laughs) aka our final movie discussion. Yeah. And honestly, we were just trying to plan out episodes for like October, November, and I think we're about done with our subject series, too. Like, we've just about exhausted those as well. Yeah. So, weird. We really need episode ideas, people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it, preferable if it's, like, a series that we can extend over yeah. a year. So that we have something we can keep coming back to. Because we're running out of things to talk about. Yeah. Not that we're running out of things to talk about, but we're running out of, like, ways to structure our episodes. Yeah. I think that this isn't something we've really discussed, so we can cut this out if we just nix this idea. But, like, I really enjoy enjoy doing the chapter rereads. So I think, like, sprinkling in, like, one every couple months to our regular feed wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. You know? I agree. And I like doing them out of context. Yeah. Like... Like, kind of what we're doing with our Patreon series, and if you're not a patron and you're interested in what we're talking about right now and chapter rereads, um, go check out our Patreon because we already do a chapter reread per month for patrons of $5 or more. And we've been doing, like, we did a sorting uh, chapter for the month of September, and we d- we're doing, like, a mm-hmm. Halloween chapter for the month of October. So, like, maybe for December on our regular feed, we could do, like, a Christmas chapter. Kind yeah, of like make it theme to idea. that too. But yeah, episode ideas are in short supply. <laughs> we, we've we talked about for probably over a year now redoing episodes and we do have one of those in the works. So we have resorted to that. Yeah. But we've kind of always talked about that because our first couple episodes maybe were a little bit rough not as they're bad and we burned through some good yeah characters yeah like specifically like ron and luna i think are the two that we have on the list to like definitely and also lupin i feel like yeah like do more justice to those characters yeah okay so our patron for this episode is beth um thank you beth and do we have any announcements i don't think so Maybe we haven't plugged our Patreon in a while, and I know I like kind of semi just plugged mm-hmm. it, but if you are interested in checking it out, you can go to patreon.com slash podcast, or you can just search Podcast in the search bar on patreon.com and check out. We have a couple different levels, and like I said, $5 or more per month gets you the one extra episode per month and like a welcome gift from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go check it out. See if there's anything that interests you. Yeah, and leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts or just a review on Apple Podcasts. We've <laughs> kind of been pretty stagnant with those for the past half a year, probably, and we haven't like <laughs> mentioned it at the beginning of ep- uh, the beginning of an episode in a while. So, if you're enjoying listening to us, go just give us a kind review on Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah. 
okay, should we, uh, should we pick up where we left off? I guess, yeah. So we ended part one right after, like, Harry revealed himself in the Great Hall to Snape and everybody there. And, like, McGonagall and Snape had their little fight. Snape flees and, like, the Order come walking in. And so this is where we are picking up. Kind of right Mm -hmm. at the beginning of what is considered, like, the battle. So, like, this whole half is basically the Battle of Hogwarts plus the epilogue. So, yeah, this is when now, like, the Order and the professors and everybody starts preparing the castle for battle. Um, We get to see them putting up the, like, dome protective thing and Maggie Smith um, doing the the like charm what, to, oh shoot what is it what is it I, this is such a common trivia question too i was literally so, i was gonna say it and then i couldn't remember is it pure like, totem locomotor is that what pure, it is pure totem locomotor yeah i always wanted to use that um, spell do, do your duty to this school <laughs> um um yeah and molly's face during that she's just like does not show any emotion and McGonagall's like yeah it's really cute she's kind of like a side-eyeing McGonagall like do you understand what's going on right now yeah um but this is kind of one of those another one of those instances we talked a little bit about this in the first episode but like they leave the great hall and there's like a scene of just like I swear to god millions of students running around (laughs) Hogwarts it is so funny to me how many people are there because like people are just like running out of the great hall and they just like never stop like more people just come and like it's insane um and then we get the like McGonagall telling Seamus to like blow something up and she's Mm -hmm. like I Mm -hmm. seem to remember like Seamus has a propensity for blowing things up (laughs) so it's like such a full circle moment she she tells Neville take Finnegan with you or whatever Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and then we cut to like Voldemort and the Death Eaters on the outside okay like there are a lot of students right but there's like millions of death eaters like where did they get all of those people just like in the context of making the movie is my question like why i bet you half of them are cgi like i bet there's actually 20 people there and then when they yeah. pull out just like all cgi like it's ridiculous there's the number of people so they have many people um and then, like, right after you see that shot, um, you see Lupin and Kingsley, like, securing one side of the castle. And Lupin says, like, it's the quality of one's conviction that determines success, not the number of followers. And I don't think I ever paid attention to that, but it's, like, so funny after they show this, like, shot of, like, millions of Death Eaters. Yeah. And I just feel like it's, like, not, like... No, Lupin. Only to a certain extent. Like, not if there's, like, it's like you and, like, a thousand kids versus, like, four thousand death eaters. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no way. And that moment is so funny. Kinks is like, who said that? Lupin's like, me, right now. <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, right after they've, like, been, like, oh, yeah. They're like, Dean, tell McGonagall, like, we will take care of this side of the castle. And they're like, Dean, wait. 
Tamagonical we could use some reinforcements on this side of the castle. Yeah. Well, okay, because also, like, that shot of all the Death Eaters isn't even everybody, because then Scabior comes from the other side with another million yeah. people, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, to cross the bridge into Hogwarts. Yeah. Um. So... Actually, I don't remember exactly the, like, sequential order of this, like, because a lot of this is, like, cut around, so, like, during this time we're seeing the preparations, Harry is going to meet the Grey Lady, and Ron and Hermione are, like, going down to the chamber, and I think it's all just, like, cut within each other, right? Yeah, I think so. So there's not really, like, a logical way to talk about it, so I guess we can talk about Harry and the Grey Lady now? Yeah, those, those are the next notes I have, because, like, the Harry and the Grey Lady is, like, cut between two different chunks, which makes it really weird. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, this whole, because then, like, this, the, then, like, after all that, oh, hold on, sorry, I'm, like, scrolling through just, like, the bottom of the movie to see the order, so, yeah, there's the big shot of everybody. Then they start attacking, and then Harry's talking to the Grey Lady. Yeah. Harry's talking to the Grey Lady, I think, like, as the, like, dome starts to, like, falling fall, down. yeah. They start to attack the dome. Um, so, Harry talking to the Grey Lady is, obviously, oh, wait. Uh, happens in the book, but it's, uh, in the book, there's, like, a crucial thing we haven't talked about, which is, like, the sequence of events of Harry being found out at Hogwarts is very different, um, which we've the thing discussed, with, I think, on our last episode. But The thing with Lupin and Kingsley doesn't happen until the first discussion with the Grey Lady, from what I can tell. Okay. Cause like, it's, all, yeah. it's all cut within each like, other, Luna so there's no like, point in, like... Because Luna is like, Harry, like, nobody yeah. alive knows about it. And he's like, yeah, I know. And Luna's like, nobody alive yeah um so that's the thing that like is missing from the movie or one of the things is like when harry shows up he's supposed to go straight to the ravenclaw common room and that's supposed that's like he goes there before he's found out so this skips over all of that and they just like i think in order to like move things more quickly and get to the battle they have um luna just take him straight to the gray lady basically and yeah, what do you think about this great the conversation with the gray lady? The conversation with the gray lady is like one of my favorite moments in the book. I love this discussion so much and I'm really I think that they don't do the worst job adapting it because they keep it mm-hmm. in at all. You know, like at this they at least can. Yeah, like I have a, such a low bar. And the conversation isn't like terribly ill-adapted you know like they Mm -hmm. they cut out all of her backstory which I'm really upset about because I love that backstory like the relationship with her and her mom and then the bloody baron thing doesn't even come into play like how she died Mm -hmm. and I find that whole like backstory very fascinating but I understand why they cut that out like there's a fine line for me between like understanding why they cut some things out and then under like not understanding why something's cut out like this I understand like it's a fun little backstory it's not essential for moving the plot forward we only need the horcrux information from the gray lady in all reality so I'm glad they kept it in but I'm really upset that they didn't do the whole backstory, but I understand why. So, like, I'm very torn about mm-hmm. this. And I don't like how it's cut up into two different scenes. I wish that it was I, one continuous scene. Also, I don't 
really love the portrayal of the Grey Lady. Like, how they have her, like, you know, the, like, this part where she, like, is, like, closes in on Harry and, like, screams at him. It feels too, like, I haven't read this part of the book in a while, so I don't know if I'm, like, misremembering, but I don't, that, like, moment in that portrayal of the Grey Lady in the movie feels way too, like, angry. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, I feel like the Grey Lady, like, yes, she has a lot of, like, unresolved feelings, but I feel like I think of them as more, like, mournful. Yeah. Um, and not, like, yeah, not, like, that angry, more so, like, grieving. Yeah. Um, and regretful, and so I just, like, I didn't like how, like, violent and, like, aggressive she's, not that she's, like, violent, but, like, you know how, like, yeah, like, they zoom in on her face and her teeth are, like, gnashing almost when yeah. she's speaking. And it's almost kind of like a jump scare. Um, yeah. Which is really odd. And something that really made me laugh is so, like, the gray lady kind of, like, backs out of the scene when she's done. Because Harry's mm-hmm. like, but where? And she's like, the place. Like, if you, if you, if you have ask, to ask, you'll, you'll never know. know. If, you, if know, you know, you, you need only ask. ask. And, like, the place where everything is hidden or something mm-hmm. like that. She's kind of, like, slowly, like, backing out of the frame into the shadows. <laughs> and they do a tip. Like, they do a terrible job of making it look like she's floating. Like, you can see, like, her body almost, like, shifting <laughs> side to side. Like, she's so clearly just walking backwards in this scene. It literally made me laugh. But anyways... <laughs> So yeah, like that's cut in between like the Death Eaters attacking and then I think it cuts to like um, the, then it cuts to the Kingsley, Lupin, Dean kind of scene because I have a note here and I wonder if this is the first time that two characters of color have spoken to each other on screen because like Dean and Kingsley speak to each other. Um... Like I guess maybe we see Padma and Pavardi speak, but, like, there's always, like, a third person kind of in that And not really to each other, like... Yeah. But, like, this is... I think Lupin hasn't entered this scene at this point, so it's literally just Dean and Kingsley on yeah, screen. I can't, like, think of another time. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Which I think it would also be really interesting because I really don't think any of the Harry Potter movies past the Bechtel test no um like maybe one um but it's like really bad about that and I get that like the Bechtel test isn't like the end-all be-all and you can still have like very like good like we know that Harry Potter has great female characters portrayed in it so I'm not saying it's like anti-feminist by not passing the Bechtel test but like it's just interesting to talk about Mm -hmm. um yeah. But yeah, so then I have a note that this is the montage of all the people who are going to die. They're just, like, shoving their, like, faces at us. So they're, like, we remember these are characters like Tonks, like Lupin. Yeah, so Tonks is something that, like, they they show her and Lupin, like, you know, like, grasping at each other or whatever. But that's, like, two more key things that, like, are detailed in the book in the lean up to the battle and that aren't in this are um like everything that's going on with the weasley family so Ginny wanting to fight and being told that she has to stay um and she like honestly stays in the room of requirement i think until like harry ron and hermione go back and they're like we need you to leave 
And then um, Percy coming back, which is, like, more in the actual battle time. But that's, like, something with the Weasleys that totally gets overlooked because they do away with Fred's death scene. Yeah. Um, So, like, there's no redemption arc for Percy. There's none of the, like controversy with Jenny wanting to fight and then the bigger thing that the more like important thing maybe than the Jenny thing but it's happening at the same time is um when Jenny is having that fight with her mother Tonks arrives and is looking for Lupin and um she wasn't supposed you don't to know. come she wasn't supposed to come she was supposed to be with Teddy and she said that she had to fight and which you kind of get, like, a snippet of that conversation with Lupin. But she's saying that to... I think she's saying that to Fleur and Harry mm. in the book. And yeah. um, she look, she's asking where Lupin is. And you don't know. That's the last you see of Tonks. And you she's told that, like, Lupin was seen dueling someone. Yeah. And, that, and you don't know if they ever found each other. Yeah, because I think, like, either it's been proven as quote-unquote canon as much as something can that's not like specifically spelled out in the books that the person who Lupin was dueling there is like who ends up killing him yes um so it's kind of implied that maybe they don't end up reaching each other yeah which is really heartbreaking (laughs) um but yeah this is kind of just like a little montage of some people that are gonna die so that we remember who they are before they die and they also get like their last kind of words in um Mm -hmm. but then we cut to ron and hermione trying to get into the chamber of secrets and this scene really bothers me like we talked about this in the first episode of ron being like op basically Mm -hmm. in this last movie and like he gets it on the first try the parcel tongue getting into the chamber of secrets and in the book there's like he they specifically say like takes him multiple tries yeah and i this scene is so uncomfortable to me because i feel like they're just trying to force the ron hermione stuff so much like ron goes like he's like beaming after he gets it he's like harry talks in his sleep like have you noticed and hermione's like oh like no of course not like why would i notice that (laughs) like it's like well you've been sleeping in a tent with him for the past year like it wouldn't be a scandalous thing for you to say that you've noticed that harry speaks parcel tongue (laughs) in his in his sleep but it's like it's like i think it's supposed to be her like kind of like embarrassed at the idea of like i had not picked up on that but Um, if you interpret it that way i believe you really Um, really i'll have to i'll have to pay attention Um, next time i watch it yeah and then like the next thing that happens is their kiss i think well like i think so they get they go into the chamber and it cuts away to neville like on the bridge taunting oh yeah 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 with snatchers slash death eaters slash like bad side people which i feel like is so out of character for neville like even this like new like confident neville it's just he's like yeah you when he was army um like everybody is out of character in this like sequence of events i just like i'm not a huge fan of that moment for neville no um i get that it's like kind of an iconic quote for her like neville and matthew lewis like i feel like i've seen people get him like to sign that when he signs Mm -hmm. stuff um but yeah i'm just like not a fan of that i feel like it's very out of character and then i have another note (laughs) where did all these students come from and then yeah because there's still tons of students running around too and like 
if they weren't planning to fight at this yeah, point, they'd be like, gone. They had plenty of time yes. to like leave or just go to a dormitory. Like, why are they all still running around frantically? Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah. So then it cuts back to Ron and Hermione, and then this is the kiss, and. I really, really hate this kiss. Listen, it's not it's not the worst kiss. It might be the best kiss in this movie. Okay, this maybe. I think the only no. other kiss in this movie is Harry and Jenny, probably. Harry and Jenny. So it's the, Ron and Hermione is the best kiss in this movie. Yes. But if we're combining part one and part two, the best kiss is the Harry and Hermione like dream sequence kiss. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's the least awkward. If I'm being, it's the most passionate. Um, but yeah, it's like my my main problem isn't with like the actual kiss. It's the post kiss like chamber water explosion that seemingly was reacting to Ron and Hermione kissing. No. No, the water happens before. Oh. Well, then why does the water happen at all, though? Because they stab the... Yeah, but... They destroy the Horcrux. The it's, chamber it doesn't, make it doesn't sense. have anything to do with it Voldemort. It doesn't make sense, the but the, it's a reaction to the Horcrux. The That's what it's portrayed Salazar's as. The Salazar's thing, not Voldemort's thing. Like, why would the... Do you think they don't... <laughs> the, the director and producers do probably not. Direct- do you think They didn't that, do this. What's his name? David Gates knows the difference between <laughs> Salazar Slytherin and Lord Voldemort. He did not direct Chamber of Secrets, so I would believe that he thought that the Chamber of Secrets was a Voldemort thing. <laughs> um, but then they, like, giggle afterwards, too. That's, like, really awkward to me. Like, it seems like an awkward giggle, and I get that, like, sometimes kissing, maybe somebody, like... Maybe you kissing, like, your best friend for a couple years is kind of awkward, and you laugh afterwards, but, like, they just make it so awkward. I don't know. and then it's, like, and then I think, like, the Ron and Hermione stuff is, like, worse, too, because, like, you have all the weird buildup, and then there's the kiss, which is, like, honestly, it's fine compared to the other kisses in this (laughs) series, but then, like, afterwards, they're, like, holding hands, and then, like... Ron's like, oh, the, oh, that's my girlfriend. Yeah, like, like, have you had that they, conversation? They, like, really hits you, hit, hit you over the head with have it. Have you had that conversation with Hermione? No, I don't think they've DTR'd. Are you <laughs> to find the relationship. Um, like, in How I Met Your Mother, that one episode, that, like, they lock, yeah. who is it, Ted and somebody in a room together, and Marshall has the yeah. whip, because he, like, is pretending to be Indiana Jones, and he's like, not good enough, and he keeps, like, <laughs> whipping the whip. Anyways, um... So then the next note I have is the close-up of the wand cracking is kind of ridiculous. So I assume this is when Voldemort, like, finally, because the Horcrux dies, and so he's, like, this burst of anger, and he, like, Mm. finally destroys the bubble. And when that happens, it kind of, like, zooms in onto the wand, and it's kind of, like, splintering. I think Mm -hmm. it looks very fake. Mm. And my next note is, (laughs) why are there still so many students running around the school? I cannot get over this. Yeah, yeah, I have another note on that. <laughs> and then this, I think this scene is like Harry and Ginny are like about to have their moment, and then Neville runs up and is like, Have you seen Luna? Like, I'm mad for her. And then. Oh no, that doesn't happen because the bridge thing happens first because Neville's still outside. We already talked about the bridge. No, it hasn't blown up yet though. That was just, he was like, Yeah, you and whose army? And then it cuts back to the oh. bubble being destroyed and he's still standing okay. on the this other all, side of the bridge. This is all cut too much. Yes, okay. But why, after you set 
be explosives why are you still not like back on the side like they're trying to blow up the bridge so that death eaters cannot use the bridge to get to hogwarts so why is neville not across the bridge that he's about to explode like i don't understand so they can have this scene of him running okay so he's like running 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 it looks like he dies but he's actually there and i have a note here that says if the marvel movies have perfected the art of bringing comedy into action movies the harry potter movies have failed miserably in comparison (laughs) i feel like the humor in specifically deathly hallows part two is so badly done Like, I get that it's a serious movie, but, like, kind of, like, the Marvel comparison, like, Marvel has perfected, like, bringing those comedic moments and the comedic timing to, like, serious battle scenes and action Mm -hmm. movies. And this is just terrible. Like, the Neville, like, crawling up and being like, well, that was close, is something that's, like, that's, like, no. Like, that wasn't, that wasn't funny. You almost died. (laughs) Like, I don't understand. I think it's also like it there's no there's no payoff to the relief of being like oh he survived because like if you've read the book you know yeah. he's, like they did not you know they did not kill him there so it's just like yeah and i mean even the, it like cuts back to like Ginny who's standing like right there and like Seamus yeah. and their faces are just like blank after <sighs> they like presumably thought that Neville died you know it was just like it's very odd yeah. And then the Death Eaters start to, like, infiltrate Hogwarts. And they're just flying around in Hogwarts. Because flying <laughs> is something people can do in the Harry Potter movies. And then we get the Luna Neville. Okay. The devil running back and being like, it's amazing Luna. I have something I need to tell her. Yeah. And then the Harry and Ginny kiss. Yes. Which is... Which, like, I don't understand why they all have to, like, declare their love. Well, Harry and Ginny don't declare their love. Ginny just goes, I know. It's a very Star Wars moment. I forget who comments. I think maybe Salvador commented that in the chat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But their kiss is, like, really awkward because Harry literally, like, runs out of the kiss. Like, he... Well, and also neither of them move their lips again. (laughs) Oh my god. It's like Jiggy's hair literally like blows in the wind as Harry like speeds off from their kiss. It's like really bad. Um, And then we get the room of requirement scene. Yeah. One other thing that we didn't mention when we were talking about Ron and Hermione is that. They get things. The kiss should have been the. Yes. House elf thing. Um. But this is just, this is my final comment on what I've been commenting on about this whole movie is they go to such lengths to make Ron seem, like, attentive to Hermione when all they could have done was have the house elves. Yeah. Like, and that would have, that would have been all they had to do. I will say, going with my theme of, like, understanding why they cut things out, like, Ron and Hermione do the, like, Chamber of Secrets quest in the book as well. So, like, I kind of get it. Like, they're not adding anything new. They're just, like, removing something and, like, moving their kiss to a different location. But, yeah. I think it would have been weird to bring the house elves back, in all honesty, in the movie. Because we haven't... I guess we did see Dobby and Creature earlier in part one, so maybe it wouldn't have actually been that weird. I don't know. They didn't have the budget to animate all those... um, (laughs) 
house elves after they did the Harry and Voldemort like face <laughs> smush <laughs> that, that took the whole budget and um, and the Voldemort flakes that come off those two things just blew their budget um, um okay so then yeah then we have the room of requirement um and Harry just really quickly finds the diadem yes and this is like this makes me so mad because this is one of the best and like I don't know this is just one of the best laid easter eggs I think in like all of pop culture is when like Harry goes to hide the book in Half-Blood mm-hmm. Prince he like uses the troll head with the diadem on it as like mm-hmm. the marker for where he hides the potions book and it just yeah. like comes back so like it doesn't feel forced at all like it makes sense and like I guess I get it but why couldn't you have just like even if it was just in the background of Half-Blood Prince like just had it there like why yeah why yeah it's so especially like the way they portray the like the room of requirement in seven is like there's like millions more things than there was there in six and it's like i know that they wanted to like build up the set a little bit so they could have them like climbing up this mountains of stuff but like it makes it like all the more improbable that like we're supposed to believe that he just like walks up to a pile and it's like oh there's the diadem yeah yeah it's just uh i really wish they had Um, just done that and then like draco and goyle and zabini make an appearance right um, and then Goyle sets the, Goyle set the bloody place on fire. Yeah, even though it's <laughs> actually in the book, it's, it's crab. supposed to be crab, but, but crab got caught with a little bit of weed. Crab got caught. No, and it's so funny because I'm pretty sure he got caught with weed, like, on set at some yeah. point. And so it's not even like he ran into, like, legal trouble, really. Like, there no. might have been legal trouble post, like, him getting caught with weed on set. I'm not really 100% sure. But it's, like, just really funny to me that that is, that it happened yeah. on set. <laughs> um, and so then, as much as I, like, don't really love the way they built up the Room of Requirement set, I do love the, like, visuals in the Burning Room of Requirement when they're, like, flying out. I don't know why, like, the, like, flying indoors while all of that shit's on fire below you. Like, I think it's, like kind of a cool and exciting visual and I like don't mind the dramatization of it um whereas like other things in this movie I obviously mind the like dramatization of them yeah I really dislike the fire animation though the like it especially when it turns into Voldemort's oh yeah I think that's done I think that's terrible um No, I mean like literally like yeah. While no, I th- I think it, it's very epic, um, and Harry also uses water at one point to like yeah get rid of it, and it's like what? No, that's not that's not how it works. Like, <laughs> and I guess like the way around it is they don't actually use the fire as the reason the Horcrux dies. So like theoretically, this could just be like normal fire. Mm-hmm. That takes on yeah. the like, I don't know. Takes on the image of like different animals and such. 
and that's why fire works against it but it just is like it, i think we briefly talked about this in the first episode too but like why did they just not make the fire the thing that destroys the horcrux why did they add i just i think they felt like they went to all that length including the chamber so yeah. they were like might as well get more mileage out of the basilisk fangs and also, I think they, like, wanted people to know that they really did kill that. Like, I think they wanted to make it very obvious yeah. that they killed the whole crowd. I guess, like, I I get it. And I guess in the books, the trip down to the chamber is just as useless as it, yeah. like, would have been. Because they, like, the fangs... Well, they use it for the cop. Oh, that's true. But, like, they... Yeah. Bringing the fangs back up didn't... Yeah. ...do anything. Um, but yeah, so like they stab it, they kick it into the fire, the fire takes on the three Voldemort masks, faces or whatever, and then they shut the door. And then it like cuts back to like Voldemort, like feeling the Mm -hmm. horcrux die. And then this really close up of Daniel Radcliffe that looks really terribly acted. (laughs) And then the next note I have is how do you live with yourself? I don't know, LOL. I don't I don't remember what that's referencing. Wait, what? Somebody must have said, "How do you live with yourself?" I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know what I'm. Talking I think about. so. In the book, I think what's supposed to happen after the destroying the diadem, I believe that's when Fred's death is supposed to occur. Because mm. I think it's like on their way back down from the room of requirement that yes. they run into them. Yeah. Um. The next note I have after the room of requirement is Rip Lavender question mark. I literally have the same note. I have R.I.P. question mark Lavender Brown. Yeah. Um, Because this is when you see the shot of Greyback. Yes. So I don't know if that's the note that you have referring. I don't know what your how do you live with yourself Somebody must have said how do you live with yourself. Like I assume it's to Draco. I have no idea. I, I don't know what the context of that note is. I'm sorry. Um, okay. And then we get Harry. We get the Snape Voldemort interaction down at the boathouse. Yeah. Before that, you do get a, a shot of Aberforth showing up. Um, and he, like, casts a Patronus to get rid of Dementors. But I believe this is actually, like, in the book that sequence is supposed to be like you see a bunch of the da members patronuses um because they all like go to cast them but good to see aberforth back in action yes and then we have the boathouse which why they moved this from the shrieking shack to the boathouse doesn't make a whole lot of sense um i think they maybe thought the boathouse set was kind of pretty i don't know if they like didn't want to have to like show the trio like going through the tunnel to the weeping well like i don't know if they just like thought it would be clunky to do that um and it's just more convenient to go down to the boathouse but it is a little weird because like Voldemort is supposed to have like set up shop set up shop at the shrieking shack um and he's supposed to like have nagini in a bubble yes. with him and all of that um but the only Okay, this kind of is a note I have later, which I'm very confused about, and this is the only reason I can, like, think of the I know what you're... I know what you're... How do you live with yourself? Oh. I think (laughs) Voldemort says it to Lucius. 
Oh, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Because <laughs> Lucius is there the at the beginning of, of the interaction. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I was kind of right when I said it was about Draco. I could have just said Malfoy and would have ended up being, like, just correct. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, so the only thing I can think of that, like, is a reason, like, a tangible reason that they put at the boathouse as opposed to the shrieking shack. So they have this kind of, like, recurring shot of the boat outside the boathouse. And, like, the first time you see it, it's, like, just on top of the water, living its life as a boat. And then after Snape dies, you cut back to it, and it's, like, sinking. It's filled with water. Mm. And I'm really confused about the imagery of that. Like, I assume it's probably supposed to be, like... A metaphor for something i don't know what like i guess maybe mm-hmm. voldemort's side is kind of a sinking ship at this point I, like i don't know but it is very odd because they like linger on it multiple times mm-hmm. and i'm just very confused about it but anyways like i have to like physically and mentally prepare myself every time I get to this point in the Booker movie for like the Snape redemption arc that's about to happen and like resolve myself that like I will not get pulled into this like emotional storyline. It's like I have to be like, you still hate Snape. Snape is still a terrible person. So and then like proceed to watch the scenes. I literally I have a note that's like it's kind of sarcastic. It was like, ah, Snapey Snape. And then I, the note under it says, last time I watched this, I cried when he died. And I was so confused with myself. I think it's, I think it's partially because of how good an actor Alan Rickman is and like kind of how yeah. emotional the death of Snape is. Yeah. Like whether or not you care about Snape as a person, like watching the acted out death of Snape is like kind of sad like, watching yeah. him kind of, like, bleed to death in this horrible way, like, while Harry yeah. cradles him, and he's kind of, like, and he's crying and being very intentional with, like, his last words that he has, you know, it makes you emotional, and I have to be, like, every time, like, you, do, you don't care about this character. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I also would note that, like, the way Voldemort killed Snape is so extra. Like, why do you just, like slash him like just like stab him a couple times basically and then like offer him as like food to your snake like why would you not just kill him and then offer him as food to nagini well nagini also doesn't even eat him she just like attacks him a couple times and leaves yeah like like, it's just it's very odd to me and like i guess it's so that they just like needed him to be like partially alive for harry to talk to yeah um and then I will say Snape saying, look at me, makes me want to throw up. That's like... Yeah, I Ugh. hate that part. <laughs> um, that's really, really gross. And I hate, like, how bloody Harry's hands are. Yeah. And then how, like, they're, like, holding each other's faces. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, and then... So then we return to the castle, and there's been, like, a pause in the fighting. And we find out that... Fred is dead. We find out that um, Remus and Tonks are dead. Um, and Harry, like, goes upstairs to, like, watch Snape's memories. Yeah. I don't um, know if you had anything to say about that. The only thing I have, I guess I have two things. Like, I have Remus and Tonks get no respect in this movie whatsoever. No. And then I have that Fred dying never makes me very emotional. 
Well, because it's so, you're so removed from it. Yes. Um, and then I also have a note here that's like, in the movie, is it even clearly stated or implied which twin dies? Like, do we ever get a mention of like, George <laughs> later on? Because I don't think um, we do. Uh, oh, Neville, I think, says Fred's name. And he's giving his little speech where he's like, Harry did not die in vain. Like, Fred did not. I think he says Fred. Okay, because that was going to be really funny. And, like, like, you know, and the only, like, distinguisher is, like, George. Yeah, the ear. Yeah. So. Oh, man. Um, But, yeah, like, I never, I always kind of, like, prepare myself to get really sad in that moment. And then I just, like, really feel no emotions. Yeah. Like, the scene of Rupert Grant, like, bawling over the body is sad. But, like, I'm more sad for Rupert, like, Ron in that moment than I am for, like, Fred, you know? Yeah. Um, And then we get the memories. Memories. So, little Lily is adorable. She that is. That actress. I will say, little Petunia is so pretty, like, pretty a, a cute kid, too. Yeah. Um, And then... Little Snape is I have also a note cute. that says, "What kind of eleven-year-old shake hands?" And I think this is—I think James shakes Lily's hand. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I think it's like it's Snape's memory of like Lily yeah. meeting James at Hogwarts for the first time. <laughs> That's and I funny. think James like shakes her hand, and I—I I, I don't think I had ever noticed that before. That's but I was funny. Like, what? My first note is like young Snape, so there's like the Lily Petunia like. Yeah. Petunia storms off, and Snape just like walks out of a tree. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, what was he doing? Um, and then I say, I'm not mad about the memories they left out, to be honest. And I'm really kind of glad the amount that they kept in. Like, I get that none of them are really full memories. Yeah. They're, like, kind of, like, it's, like, not flashbacks in a way. It's, like, a montage. But It's a montage. I'm I... glad that they kept in that many. I actually like the way the memories are done in the movie um i think it would have been a lot to like obviously they couldn't have kept in full memories and i think i I like how like it implies like you get the message and i love like the passage of time with the montage you get everything you need to know and i like how like i don't know i think it's kind of cool how it implies that like snape kind of like curated these memories (laughs) specifically you know like i don't like i don't know how we have no idea how, like, memories work yeah. and, like, tensives work. But, like, that, like, he... These are, like, the specific clips he wanted Harry to see. Um, I actually... I like the way that they did the memories. I will say that. Even though, like, the memories are, like... Yeah. I think that they did the vet, like... Like, kind of like I said. Like, I'm not upset with what we got. But mm-hmm. I love the Snape's memories a lot in the book yeah. I really I honest, really, honestly really love it whenever we get memories like I love it in yeah. four I love it in five mm-hmm. and I love it here um but yeah it's definitely very abbreviated but we get what we need to out of it um I do there one note I have on the memories here is I always thought it was really weird how Dumbledore acts surprised mm. like when he finds out that Snape quote still loves but really just like is obsessed with um after all this time like yeah i feel like it does a disservice to like the way we're supposed to view dumbledore as like an all-knowing like very like um uh someone who's very in tune to the way other people are feeling 
Yes. I feel I, I don't like cow. I kind of always I like read that scene. I don't know because I think the way I've always interpreted that scene is that Dumbledore's kind of like fishing in that moment because mm. he's like, I thought you had really come to care for the boy. And you know, like, he's like I wonder don't tell me he, after all this time you've come to care for the yeah, boy. Yeah, like I think he's kind of like implanting that in Snape being like, like mm. have you like do you mm-hmm. really you just don't want to admit it that kind of thing that's kind of how i've always interpreted the scene is that it's like very performative for snape yeah. um but the one note i have about the memories is that like i don't really fully understand why snape is so insistent that nobody can know um when dumbledore says that like not tell anybody about like like the best of you yeah and I don't know, I just, like, never really fully understood that. Mm. Why he was, like, so I mean, insistent. I, th- I think it's, like, still a source of great shame for Snape. Mm. Um, because, like... What I is? Mean, like, him being a Death Eater to begin with or him loving Lily? Both. Oh, okay. Um, but I think, like... Well, I think him being a Death Eater, it's it's easier for him to have everyone think he's a bad dude have everyone think he was a death eater Mm. um then to like show this like vulnerability and i think that like as a kid like becoming friends with lily was like so it could have been so good for him and it was so like kind of out of his comfort zone like based on like how he was raised that I think it required him. I don't think like 11 year old Snape was really thinking about this, but I think like opening himself up to Lily and allowing that friendship to form required him to be very like vulnerable and like willing to change. And then the way that like his friendship with Lily kind of shaped like um, his like downfall into the dark arts. Like he was already in the dark arts, but like his bullying by James was exacerbated because of his friendship with Lily. And I think, like, he, like, blames himself for, like, loving Lily and becoming friends with Lily. I, I just think yeah. it's, like, very complicated. And I think there's a lot of shame in, like, all of his past. And I think, like, that's why it's easier for him to be, like, I've never loved anyone. Like, I'm Death mm. Eater Man. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And I do, speak like, one last thing on the memories, I do really like the scene where, like, Snape comes to Dumbledore that first time and is like they're after Lily like we have to do something like I really Mm -hmm. like kind of the epicness of them I think like I could be yeah like kind of on that big like ledge basically and I think the camera kind of does like this like circling kind of thing during it I could be just completely Mm -hmm. making that up but it does seem very epic and Snape is like very emotional I really enjoy one of my favorite parts of the memories I think is the memory about how Dumbledore wants him to kill him Mm. and I think that that is like I think honestly like when we talk about Snape's character and how like neither of us really buy the redemption arc and how we don't really buy the like love of Lily we call it an obsession yeah but I think like he did love Dumbledore like yeah Dumbledore I think is the closest and most important relationship that he ever had and when he asked the question, like, but what of my soul? Yeah. Um, I think, like, that's, like, that gets me more than, like, 
oh, like, he's been in love with the same woman for 30 years. Like, the fact that, like, he was asked to kill, like, his mentor and, like, they really know, the, the only, only person, person that ever really, like, believed in supported yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. And, like, knew, quote-unquote, the best of him. So I think that's, like, yeah, that that's the part that, like, maybe pulls on my heartstrings a little bit. Yeah, I think that's, like, that is really emotional. And understanding, like, what that took from Snape and, like, watching that scene in Half-Blood Prince is kind of another one of those things that does, like, pull at my heartstrings. Mm-hmm. Like, when he's, like, staring at him and you can tell he, like, doesn't want to do it. But Dumbledore's mm-hmm. like, come on, you got it. And it's like, oh. Severus, please. Yeah. Um, the next note I have is, like, Ron and Hermione, I guess it cuts to, like, Ron and Hermione waiting for Harry as he's Mm -hmm. leaving, like, the, we didn't, we didn't even talk about, like, the raising the pig for slaughter and that whole thing that Harry learns about in the memories, but. Yeah, (laughs) it's the whole point of the memories. Basically. And then, so, like, Harry leaves, he's walking down the stairs and he sees, like, Ron and Hermione and (laughs) the note I have is, like, them holding hands on the stairs is so cringy to me for some reason. Um, I, I hate everything about this scene. (laughs) Yeah, because then the next thing I have a note on is that like when they say goodbye, Ron and Harry don't even hug. Ron doesn't say anything. Yeah. Harry, Harry says, I think I've known for a while. And he looks at Hermione and he says, I think you have too. Yeah. And Hermione hugs him and then Harry leaves. Yeah. Ron at this point doesn't like it's not implied that like everybody knows that Ron knows what it, like why Harry has to do it. Yeah. Like so like does after this does Hermione like explain, explain like, it to Ron? He's going to die. Like he has to die for Ron us is to be just able to kill all the really confused like, and that's what? why they don't hug. It's just like it undermines their friendship so much and I know I talk about Harry and Hermione's friendship all the time and how much I love it and like I love I love that they get their goodbye but like I don't know it's so like I don't know it feels like so like oh no homo no homo like can't have the boys hug like I can't have like two like young adult like teenage boys showing emotion like no that would be terrible it just like really bothers me yeah because then like later on this is like the closing shot of the movie is like hermione grabs harry's hand and then hermione grabs like ron's hand who like moves to that side it's like oh hermione always has to be in between and like i get that that kind of also adds like symmetry with like Mm -hmm. the two boys on the outside but yeah i get what you're saying so then harry walks off into the forest and uses pulls out the resurrection stone or yeah pulls out the resurrection stone so i've always thought um that this scene was weird with how sirius and remus speak so much more than james does (laughs) My first question is, how does the snitch know when to open? Like, is it because Harry said so, or is I'm it ready because to it's die, like he said I'm ready to die. I don't know. Like, but Harry could have said I was ready to die whenever. Like theoretically, like does the snitch? Not does, Dumbledore's magic. <laughs> I can say, does the snitch know when Harry's lying? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, then they have this conversation with Lupin. The Marauders minus Peter plus Lily. So, like, yeah. the real Marauders. Yeah. And, like, James barely talks. Yeah. And they um, look ancient. 
Yeah. No, I mean, like, I'm being exaggerating. Like, I understand that, like, 40-year-olds aren't ancient, but they look, they're supposed to be 21. James and Lily. Yes. But I guess that would have been kind of weird to have, like, two 21-year-olds and then, like, Lupin and Sirius, because, like, you think of them kind of all together. But. Um, I also would like to ask the fandom if we could rebrand always mm. to emphasize Lily saying it to Harry. Yeah. Not Snape saying it about Lily. Yeah. Because Harry asks, like, will you stay with me till the end? Yeah. And Lily says always. And I feel like we should just, like, every time, now every time I see somebody's bumper sticker that says always, I'm going to be like, <laughs> or an oh always God. tattoo. I, I also loved when Lily said that to her son. <laughs> Like, I'm glad you picked up on that moment in the movie. Like, I guess I kind of get, like, the romantic notion of, like, somebody loving you always. But, like, in the context of Snape and Lily, it's like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so then we, like, Harry walks off. Voldemort says, the boy who lived, come to, to die. And then Hagrid is like, Harry, no. Yeah. And then it's like, honestly, pretty quickly. There's like this, like the musical, like, yeah, the music like builds and builds and builds. And then it's like this long chord that like transforms into Avada Kedavra. And then we wake up in King's Cross Station, we're told. Um, (laughs) It's such an important scene, but they cut so much of it. so short i literally have a note i said like i could be misremembering in the book but i feel like it's so much longer than this it's it's like almost a full chapter in the book yeah like it It actually might be a full chapter it is so short in the movie and i feel like it with the kind of omission of a lot of the like life and lies of albus dumbledore and the internal struggle of like harry's feelings about dumbledore Mm -hmm. like it cuts out like i guess that was a big part of the book like their conversation was harry trying to like reconcile his like pre-dumbledore's death version of dumbledore and post-dumbledore's death version of dumbledore so i guess like they probably had to cut out pretty much all of that stuff from the movie scene um but like harry's supposed to be naked we could have gotten daniel radcliffe wait did Daniel Radcliffe do Equinox post Harry Potter or in between Harry Potter movies? I don't know. If he did it post Harry Potter, we could have gotten Daniel Radcliffe naked much sooner do than you we did. Want that? <laughs> no. <laughs> but for the people out there that want it, we could have gotten it sooner. Um, on the creepy Dumble or Voldemort animatronic. Yeah. Um, that is a working animatronic that you can see at the Warner Brothers Studio Tour in Watford england um but yeah and then (laughs) harry the next note i have because i really didn't pay attention during this scene at all it's like harry's like wait don't you think it was kind of curious that my mother lily and snape had the same patronus (laughs) and dumbledore's like yes that is curious (laughs) and i feel like it's just to like make sure the audience is very clear that like snape loved lily in case that's the one thing they want you to take away from this movie (laughs) yes that snape 
loved Lily and he's a good guy for that. I remember having to explain that to my mom in the car <laughs> on the way home from this. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm not like I think she like got it yeah. but I remember having to be like she was like wait so like what happened to its name and I like clearly remember being like okay so you, you remember you saw like his Patronus was a doe like <laughs> he loved Lily he was a good guy the whole time. Yeah. She was like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was so funny because it's also like he he asks he says wait one more time, but like it's one of these like I just have to ask Tumbledore before yeah. like this the will be the last thing I, thing I ever to. say to him is like don't you think it's weird? <laughs> but like, what's going what on there? <laughs> Tell me the four. <laughs> Give me the hot goss. Spill the tea. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think it's just really, that made me like basically laugh out loud when I really, because I don't think I'd ever really realized that before. Um, and then the quote of like, of course, this is happening in your head, but why on earth does that mean it isn't real? I feel like that quote always like resonated with me so mm-hmm. much, but when I actually think about it, it kind of makes no sense. <laughs> like I get that it's kind of like Harry Potter's real to us you know like that kind of thing yeah I feel like it's like just posturing as this like very like profound quote that like I don't think really makes that much sense it's not that profound yeah (laughs) because I was like oh that sounds so profound I love that quote (laughs) but then when you actually think about it it's like well as far as like Really, things Dumbledore says. Yeah, <laughs> it's like if something is happening inside your head, like it inherently means that it's like not real because it's happening inside your head, kind of. Thing. But anyways, um, we cut back. Okay, so we come back. My question is, what do you think Narcissa's plan actually was? Like, why does her lying about Harry? I I. There's so much flawed logic. Why does her lying about Harry being dead get her to Draco sooner? I don't know. Like, like if she, because I guess because said... she thinks it ends the battle, but like she knows it's not actually going to end the battle. Yeah, and if she had said Harry's dead, Voldemort or wasn't dead, Voldemort would just have killed him right then, anyways, and it yeah. would have been the same thing. I just don't like, and so like, is she paying him? Like, is she like trying to like? pay him back for telling him for telling her that draco's alive and like so like if harry had said like i don't know or if he had said like draco's dead would she just have been like no harry's not like would that have changed her answer was she always like why was she she like jumped on this opportunity to go up there so like you think that it kind of implies that like she just no matter what she was gonna say that he was so I don't know. The only know. the there's an easy way to make this make sense. And Harry could have just said, "Yes, Draco's alive because I saved his life." And then Narcissa would actually yeah. owe Harry something. Like if she had known but about like, that. But she doesn't know that. I know, but like it's like if she had known about that, this all makes so much sense, right? She only cares about her son. Harry saved his life. Like, all right, yeah. I'll do you a solid in return. Yeah. But because she doesn't know about that, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. And also, why Narcissa? Like, I feel like we've also talked about this. Like, like in the why? Well, she episode. jumped. Yeah, she but jumped in the, at the book, he asked Narcissa to go. Oh, really? Yeah, I believe okay. it's like specific. So then it Narcissa. wasn't like a plan. No, because... Like, 
it's like she, she was wasn't acting gonna like know. a husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it all just literally, very... It, I think it's a literally just so we can use this like analysis of like Harry was not saved by a mother's love saved not once love. but twice um but yeah like it really makes no sense um <laughs> and then okay and I just want to point out from this point forward Harry um sorry yes. everyone in the castle is under Harry's uh blood protection yes. or life sacrifice protection whatever it's called um which movie totally overlooks and honestly i forget about all the time yeah um but from this point forward like no one in the castle is going to uh die like at the hands of these people because harry has uh given his life not only do they not die like in the book spells don't they don't even get hit yeah 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 like Hagrid cast or Hagrid Voldemort cast like Silencio on all of them and like yeah. they just start talking afterwards like no spell yeah. even works on them which is weird because like spells work on Harry by Voldemort spells, and spells that Voldemort yeah does work like on Harry yeah Crucio works on Harry so like yeah. that doesn't really make any sense but whatever no. <laughs> um then like was the only reason they kept Hagrid alive was to carry him so back. So you carry hair. So that was hair. like, I don't know. hi, that seems like Because they could have just like floated his body. Yeah. And honestly, that was probably so traumatizing for Hagrid to like not only watch Harry die, but then like carry his like dead body. Yeah. It's probably very traumatizing. Okay, so then we get the Voldemort Draco hug. No. Well, first we get... Ginny and Neville are standing side by side, and Ginny's like, Neville, who is that? Neville, tell me who that is. Who is Hagrid carrying? Yeah. And it's like, he, Neville's not any closer than you are, Also, Ginny. who do you think it is? <laughs> yeah, like, it's very odd. Like, your boyfriend is unaccounted for. <laughs> it's like, it just, like, is so, like, this, this watch, I was like, what? I was, like, so confused. Like, why would Neville have a better view? Of, like, Ginny doesn't have glasses. Like, she... I, I don't know. It's odd. Um, and then in this scene, there is a normal amount of people present. Yeah. I it's still kind that. of a lot, but it's normal. It's like, it's compared like to probably the 100 to 150 on yeah. each side, which is like probably on the higher end, but like believable with like the professors, the DA students, mm-hmm. and the Death Eaters. But So the Malfoys like fully up and leave. Like, right now. They just well, leave. post, like, Harry revealing himself yeah, in, like, the yeah. melee, yeah. But then um, Neville has his little speech, mm-hmm. which, I which I dislike and is very cringy, in all honesty. Yeah. And I wish Voldemort had ended it sooner. <laughs> his heart so beats for all of us. Like, yeah. I mean, it does, but you don't know that. Um <laughs> we get that. <laughs> oh. Um. Okay, and then kind of the duel between Harry and Voldemort begins. Well, okay, sorry, one more note before we get to that. So Harry, like, reveals himself. Some Death Eaters just, like, apparate, disapparate. Yeah. They're just like, I'm out, peace. Like, he just came <laughs> back from the dead. I am out. <laughs> um. Which I, like, is that... Is apparate in the book? Could they could they not still apparate in Hogwarts grounds? I feel like they couldn't. That was like part of the defense of Hogwarts. Oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah. even yes. during the battle, you couldn't do that. Yeah. And then the Malfoys run, which in the book they don't. 
in the book I think they stay it, around yeah because they're there at the end because yeah. they're in the great hall for that last scene I don't think they like really participate in this mm-hmm. like 2.0 battle or I guess it's like basically 3.0 at this point but or I get no it's just 2.0 um but they're in the great hall at the last scene but 2.0 battle is like oh it's so good in the book and they could have made that so like i get that it's not like action-packed and obviously that's what they were going for but they could have made it so epic with like voldemort and harry like circling each other Mm -hmm. in the great hall like just like harry monologuing and like i get that it's maybe not super believable that voldemort like wouldn't just attack harry Mm -hmm. but like they could and like the sun is rising and starting mm-hmm. to like break into the great hall like i just feel like they could have made it so epic if they even if they had kept it the same but they don't and then so like the harry voldemort battle is kind of happening and then it's cut in between ron Hermione and then like later Neville and Nagini and like that kind of storyline which like the idea of trying to snap stab a snake with like a four inch fang that's like (laughs) not even sharp is like really idiotic to me Mm -hmm. like I get that there was no other options but what like why not try and like petrify the snake and then stab it or something like I don't know (laughs) and then the way Neville like wakes up because it's like his destiny is calling yeah. him is like really weird to me i think it's so dumb um and also in the last 30 minutes of the series the producers decided that they didn't want like anyone to have a real corpse like i've always thought about bellatrix and Voldemort like doing the turning mm. into bits thing but nagini also kind of like disintegrates yeah which i guess maybe makes like slightly more sense for her because like being a horcrux like we've seen all the other horcruxes kind of like do weird things when they yeah you know like they kind of get like charred and stuff yeah um but yeah there's like they're like oh no no real bodies yeah (laughs) no real corpses (laughs) um and then like the molly and bellatrix thing happens um which like I was watching it super closely this time, and it's super weird because, like, Arthur, Ginny, George, and Molly are kind of, like, all, like, just standing together. And so, like, at first, Ginny's kind of dueling Bellatrix, and the other three are just, like, standing there not mm-hmm. doing anything. Mm-hmm. And then when Ginny almost dies, Molly's like, oh, let me step into this thing. She's and like, then, oh, yeah, now I want to. <laughs> then Ginny, George, and Arthur are still just, like, standing there not doing anything in the background. It's, like, really weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, But I no, am glad I they kept it in the movie. That was another thing they could have very easily cut bitch. out. Yeah. Um, and then we get what is quite possibly the worst scene in all of cinema history <laughs> with like Voldemort and like his Let's octopus the legs way we started. ropes trying to just like <laughs> choke Harry and mm. then we have Harry like trying to make out with Voldemort and like <laughs> jumping off the ledge together and then them flying and then their like faces merge and it's like so so weird and i like really don't understand the purpose like what was the purpose what was the reason (laughs) um yep so there's no explanation really um 
we don't get any explanation during the battle. I believe it's afterwards Harry explains. Well, he's like, do you the know why? Never like, the wand never belonged yeah. to you. But, like, he explains to Ron and Hermione afterwards. Yes. Like, it was his. So then, like, they're back on the ground, and they're going at it again. And this is post Nagini has been killed now, once mm-hmm. they're back on the ground. And they're, like, their wands are all connected, like apparently wands just do all the time nowadays and (laughs) like Voldemort's losing the battle like the ball of energy is coming closer and closer to him and then it makes its way to the wand and then the wand flies out of his hand and he dies like he was not even hit by that spell I don't know the no spell hit him for him to die no like the wand just flew out of his hand because when that happened I was like oh now Harry's gonna cast a spell and kill him but no he just starts to die when the elder wand leaves his hand which I don't and then Harry catches the wand yes (laughs) because when you fling something out of somebody's hand it goes towards you that's how (laughs) physics works um but like no spell hit Voldemort yeah I'm so confused yeah (laughs) and then he just flakes away (laughs) which again what was the reason (laughs) um okay so then we see like kind of everyone in the well we have Valdi bets but we don't I don't we don't have to talk about that um and then we see, like, everyone just kind of, like, in the Great Hall. We see, like, um, Dean, Seamus, and Aberforth are talking. Luna and Neville have their little moment. Um, uh, I think, Trelawney like, and Pavardi are pulling a, yeah, like, um, sheet over someone. That's sad. Slughorn's, like, talking, like, regaling. Um, yeah. I had the closed captions on, and I don't think I'd ever heard what he'd said before, but, like, in the closed caption, it's like, yeah. I couldn't find my wand. I reach in my pocket. I whip it out. And he's, like, obviously, like, over-dramatizing <laughs> yeah. something that happened during the battle, which I thought was a fun thing to notice. And then, like, Harry walks up to Ron and Hermione, who are holding hands yet again, and they just kind of, like, look down at their hands and look back up at mm-hmm. Harry, and Harry's like, oh, I ship it. <laughs> um, and then we kind of, like, Phil just, like, sweeping up the rumble, which I find very funny. Yeah. And then, and then the scene on the bridge. Um, so... My point is, what if Ron had been the one to rip it out of Draco? <laughs> oh. Um, and I always thought it was weird how Harry calls Malfoy Draco in this scene. Mm. Like, he specifically says Draco, and I think, I don't know, it just seems weird Yeah, I feel me. like he probably doesn't say Draco that very that often. Yeah. And he's supposed to fix his wand first. Yeah. So Harry just is wandless right now. Harry's wandless. Yeah. And he pissed off all of But he doesn't need one. I mean, Voldemort's dead, so he doesn't need one. I guess. But he also pissed off Ollivander, so I would not be going back to him for another moment. <laughs> um, he was, like, yeah. really rude to him. If I were Ollivander, I'd be like, sorry, bro. You're on your own. And so I just, 19 years later? I Well, okay. The final shot, I think, is really, really beautiful. 
But mm. I don't understand why they're not facing Hogwarts in this moment. I feel like if they were facing Hogwarts, like I get that their faces then would not be mm-hmm. in the shot, but like them like looking at. But I think the point is it's like, like they're supposed on. to be like putting Hogwarts behind them. I guess. I guess it's kind of poetic, but I wish they were looking at Hogwarts. I wish it was like, I guess like Hogwarts yeah. is in ruin, so maybe it's not like. Oh, our home. <laughs> but I don't know. It's just like it's weird to me. Like there, we know there's nothing really there that they're looking at. They're just looking at trees. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just I, I don't understand the breaking of the Elder Wand. I think we like talked about this in the first episode, maybe, or may, maybe I made a note of this in the watch along. But I really hope that like feeders on midnight premieres like literally gasped when this happened. I hope. There is somebody out there, and I want you to contact me if you are this person that got up and walked out at this moment <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> I mean, there are so many points that people should have walked out of this movie. True, but in this one, I feel like, oh man, that'd be so epic if somebody was like, "All right, I'm out." <laughs> yeah, but yeah, then uh, we get the the epilogue, and the epilogue, my first note is that the, the terrible aging of. Okay, I don't think that it was. I really think they did Ginny the most dirty body, right? They did. The only they thing. did. Especially because in comparison, they didn't do anything to age up her mind. No, they did nothing to age up her mind. They gave her a bun. The, like, yeah, they basically just changed hairstyles for most of them. And Ginny got a terrible hairstyle. And they, like, they put, they, like, gave her some added weight. Yeah, and they definitely made her eyebrows look disappeared. <laughs> I don't know what they did to them, but you cannot see her eyebrows. Um, but yeah, they did her dirty. The only thing they did to make her look older was like give her a bad haircut. And yeah, I think oh, I think my what it looks like to me, what they tried to do to like age them up was like they just put a bunch of powder on their faces <laughs> so that you could like kind of like because you know when you like put yeah. powder you can see kind of like the texture yeah. sometimes on underneath i really think that's all they did um <laughs> but yeah and then she doesn't she doesn't say a single thing she doesn't the say whole epilogue no and i get that like ron, why can have her there <laughs> ron only says look there they are yeah just her hermione said something she likes hermione's talking to rose yeah yeah um and then harry says he was the bravest man bravest man i've ever known and i wrote and he was also a dick yeah he also tortured <laughs> because, you for yeah a couple you can years. say he's brave but you're overlooking a lot of things that he did yeah and a lot of those things like he did to you <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay um and we see Draco. He looks mm-hmm. terrible, which, like, mm-hmm. honestly, they might have done a pretty good job of predicting what Tom Felton looks like when he's older because. <laughs> <laughs> and fun fact, the woman who plays Astoria Greengrass in this was his current girlfriend, like Tom Felton's mm-hmm. current girlfriend. Yeah. I think, I don't think they are together anymore. Also, Tom Felton is okay. All is well with him. Oh He's fine. Um, yeah. And then we get the like Harry talking to Albus, which yeah, I really can't watch this scene after reading Cursed Child because they really like make it seem that Harry's like a really good dad, mm-hmm. and like Albus really loves and cares about him. But then yeah. in Cursed Child, we learn that like in fact that is not true. <laughs> yeah yeah um okay closing thoughts on this movie this honestly might be the worst one 
I I still stand by that four is the worst one, but I, I think, think that four this one is, is more entertaining though. I think mm. I have a better t- like I don't think that four. I think four might be the worst adaptation, but mm. I think I enjoy watching four more than I enjoy watching this. I, don't I think know. that they're I, yeah. I have I think that this and... one just baffles me mm-hmm. because of how little ground they cover and how they like still manage to leave so much out. And so I think that like to me, what this one does is it proves to me that like you know how everyone always says like if they had been given like if they could make like eight hour long movies, they would have been perfect. Like. This proves to me that no, like, because the amount of time that this, the length of this movie and the corresponding, like, pages, events they needed to put into it, like, they, they just, like, they had the potential to actually do things right with this movie as far as, like, screen time wise, and they just didn't. And, like, there's so many things that they just messed up. And they just left out. And they just changed the way it was done for no apparent reason. And I, like, yeah, this proves to me that I, like, will never trust a movie adaptation. Yeah, I think something we haven't talked about in this specific episode, which I'm sure we've talked about before, but, like, the 3D craze was, like, very Mm -hmm. much alive during this movie coming out. And it was, like, made for 3D. And that's, like, very obvious at some points. Um, and that is, quote-unquote, an explanation for some of the things that they, they did. I don't think it's a good enough explanation, though. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Can we have a quick discussion revisiting how we would feel about a TV series being made? Do we feel, like... I honestly feel like I watching these movies has made me more excited for the potential of a TV adaptation. But from what you just said, it sounds like you are maybe less excited or maybe just as not excited about a TV adaptation after this. Yeah, I think that like watching the movies makes me appreciate the books and it makes me realize that like I don't know. Like, I don't think anything ever. I don't, I don't trust any adaptation of these movies. I mean, of these books. And I think that like, it's just like the thing that I love about books in general and these books is the nuance. Mm. And I think that that's never going to be what's valued. And I also feel like I'm at a point where... I've seen these movies plenty of times. I like, I get, I know what I enjoy from them and I know when I don't. And so like when I'm not watching them to analyze them, like going into like kind of our movie watch retrospective, like this was actually kind of painful for me because like watching to analyze was like, it honestly, it makes them worse. Yes. Um, And so like when I'm not watching to analyze, like I can enjoy these movies, like putting on you know just like yeah, tuning in when they're I, on tv and stuff i very much enjoy um, watching these movies with somebody like you or with somebody yeah. like my sister or my family and like quoting them and we can like and, quote them yeah. and like laugh at them and be like oh yeah. my god did they just do that but like watching them for actual like content yeah so getting back to the tv show thing my point is is that like i think i'm at a i'm at a point where i've like i'm set with 
the books that we have. And I, like, don't feel the need to, like, put myself through, like, trying to watch another screen adaptation of any form. I feel like... And I feel that way, like, I don't know. I feel that way about, like, a lot of the, like, all of the extra content things that we get. And so, like, I don't even, like, like, there are things that, like, if they were done the way I wanted them them to be I would love like additional like series and stuff like that but I just like I think I'm just very much at a point where I'm like the seven books are like all I need and like they can stand alone and there's enough in there to like sustain (laughs) me yeah I think part of the reason why this would make me more excited for an adaptation is because I think that like I'm not saying that movie or tv adaptations weren't a thing before Harry Potter because they were like Lord of the Rings came out before Harry Mm. Potter and that's a like book to tv or book to movie adaptation or did they maybe around the the same time yeah maybe around the same time um but I think that like Harry Potter was one of the first like big ones yeah of like the past generations and I think that in a lot of ways it like was a failed experiment Mm -hmm. that has like since been refined by certain production companies by certain writers um I think that there are really really good adaptations out there now um and I'm looking forward to some ones that are coming out soon. Shout out to Daisy Jones and the Six. They started recording <laughs> episodes this week. Um, also, that's a, if you remember a while ago, I recommended The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Mm-hmm. It's by the same author. She has mm-hmm. like three books out, and I love every single one of her books. And this is one of them that they're making into a TV show that like I'm very excited and I think will be adapted quite well. And like I think Game of Thrones is another one like post the last season maybe that people like generally kind of agree is a fairly good adaptation. And I not Did you saying, read the Game of Thrones books? I never read the books, but I'm not okay. saying that like they're like a perfect like I think that no. Game of Thrones is more entertaining than the Harry Potter movies are. I think they've mastered yes. the art of like adapting something, not making it like perfectly accurate, but making so, it entertaining. So the thing about Game of Thrones is like we think there's a lot of content in Harry Potter. There's infinitely more content mm-hmm. in Game of Thrones series and Game of Thrones TV series and Game of Thrones book series. Yes. Like there's so much in that that like and also Game of Thrones, I, I've only read the series once. Um, so obviously I even though there's a lot of stuff that I picked up on that's different in the TV show, they're like it's obviously less than yeah. Harry Potter. Um but the thing about Game of Thrones is that they knew with that much content and with the fact that the book series isn't finished, yeah, that they like had to make it different and they like did that mostly tastefully and they they were making conscious they knew that they weren't making a perfect adaptation and I think that like in a lot of ways I think the people that made Harry Potter thought that they were making yes a perfect adaptation and I I think you can't do that yeah I honestly I think that's why the hair that's why I called the Harry Potter series basically a failed experiment because also Lord of the Rings gives gives me a lot of like game of thrones vibes with that like Mm -hmm. lord of the rings also has so much content with like the actual book series the sommerillion that jrrr tolkien published after the series and just all of the extra information like if we think that harry potter has a lot of extra information like Mm -hmm. go read the sommerillion Mm -hmm. um not that i have but 
I think that that's where we've learned that adaptations don't work with Harry Potter, with Hunger Games, with Divergent. Like you can't Mm -hmm. make it a straight straight adaptation. And I think that through that lens, we could maybe get at least a better end content than we did with the movies. Like I think that it would be, maybe it would be, even less true to the books than the movies Mm. were but i think that it would still be better done more entertaining better character development like i think all of those things would still be true if that makes sense yeah and like i would watch it but i think i just like i think it i think that the this watch of the movie specifically just taught me i don't feel a need for it Mm. And I don't feel like, if, like, when something tangible comes, I'll be excited about it. But I'm not, like, excited by, like, the abstract possibility of it, you know? Yeah, I I see that. Speaking of new content coming, the third Fantastic Beast movie title was released. I haven't even, like, watched that. Didn't they release a trailer? I haven't even watched it. No, it wasn't a trailer. It was just a moving image of the... I just saw that, yeah. No, it was just a moving image of the title of the... It was, like, a reveal of the title of the movie, which is... The Lies of Dumbledore? The, <laughs> the Tales secrets. of Dumbledore? I think the, secrets. the Secrets. Yeah, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Which, I'm kind of glad that at least they're, like, leaning into, like, this is about Dumbledore. Yeah. Because, like, previously it was kind of confusing. Especially with the first one. Um, but, yeah, I'm, like, not super excited for that. I wish I'd, that they like, kind of I'm only going to watch it when I can stream it without paying, like, additional money for it. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't fully decided what that's I'm like going to do yet. That's because, like a moral standing for me, yeah. and it's also like a, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. The only reason that I wouldn't do that is I I would love to go in it non-spoiled, and I just don't know if that's yeah, going to happen if I that's wait fair. that long. But I haven't made that decision yet. I'll make it in, what was it, like October 2022 or something like that, I think. I, I think know. a date was also released. If not, it was just 2022. Um, but yeah, side note. <laughs> Getting excited. <laughs> so I know I didn't really give wrap up thoughts of Deathly Hallows Part Two, so I'll just like quickly say that I think it's probably my least favorite. I already said that. I think that not only is it a bad adaptation of the content, it's like they add weird things. Yeah. Which I feel like makes me so much more angry than when they leave out things is when they add bad things. It's like, mm-hmm. I, like I just really don't understand it. Um, and I think that this really, they forced in a lot of like romantic storylines that didn't mm. need to happen. Like I guess maybe the Ron and Hermione did, but like they did it so weirdly. The like Neville Luna thing is weird. The mm-hmm. Harry Ginny thing has always been weird. <laughs> and I really think that, like, they were put in a rough spot because they had to cast the actress for Ginny when she was so young that, like, I'm sure, like, chemistry... Because, t- like, when mm-hmm. you're casting, you have to do, like, chemistry tests between two people that, like, need chemistry in a movie. And I don't know if they did that when they first cast the two of them. Slash, I don't know if it would have meant anything because they were, like... 10 and 11 mm-hmm. and so then we were like stuck with these two people that have no chemistry for the rest of the movies when like they were supposed to be madly in love <laughs> so I do think that that like they were kind of put in a tough spot with that and I don't know if I fully blame anybody yeah. in that situation it's just not a good situation 
Okay, so for the for our little bit of a movie watch retrospective, I feel like we already just like talked about a lot of it, and I don't have a ton more to say, but I do want to do some some fast questions for okay. you. Okay, I'm I'm um, ready. Which I'm just kind of coming up with these on the spot. So if you have any questions, but I want to okay. do like quick answers. Yeah. Um, first thing that comes to mind oh, for you. Favorite movie. <laughs> so so yeah, favorite movie. I know you're supposed to do cook. Just questions. pick one. I really oh, think number it, one through eight. I think it's order. I think it's five. Okay. What was that your favorite movie? I know the answer. Was that your favorite movie before we started? The I Rector's, think I the normally say watch. order is my favorite. You do. I think I do kind of waver between five and four just because I love the four story. No, do I waver between five and four? Is it five and something else? I don't know. I, I, either way, I've so, said five before. My favorite movie is three and it was that before um not least favorite movie but if you had to choose one of these that you could never watch again which is not necessarily your least favorite yeah i feel like it had to be part two which is weird because it's the ending so, yeah. like, if I ever wanted to do a rewatch, it would end very, like, in the middle kind of thing. Yeah. But I think it would be Deathly Hallows Part 2. I think I get Which more. Which is also what you said is your least yeah, favorite. Yeah, and I think, because I, I think I get more out of all of that, all out of the rest of them. Like, it was okay. a semi-discussion for me, or thought between 2 and 8, just because 2 is kind of more insignificant mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But I think I enjoy watching 2 better than I enjoy watching yeah. 8. So I, my least favorite movie is four and I hate watching four. Like I don't, I don't like watching it. Um, when we had to watch it, I was like annoyed about it, but my answer, I don't think is four. And like similar to, similarly to you, I think like, I don't get a lot of, out of like one and two as far as plot wise. One and two, it's like emotions. That's all you gotta, I think I would leave out seven Mm. because I think that, Not like, I couldn't happens. leave out the last one because you don't get, like, enough of a wrap-up. Yeah. Up. And, like, they would just be too big of a hole if you left out any. Like, three and six are my favorite, so I wouldn't leave those out. It would be too big of a hole in, like, the plot if you yeah. left anything else out. And, like, not that much happens in seven. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would buy that. I also, just quickly, I think that, one, I could also make an argument for the first one being my favorite movie, which I don't think I, like have ever said yeah. before but like looking back I don't yeah know. it's a fun one yeah um okay i have currently have two more questions okay. left for you <laughs> um best casting i feel like emma watson even though i was a little bit critical of her acting in this, the first two movies i mean she was young it wasn't that good if i'm being honest but i do think that <laughs> she was the best act or the best casting. Um, I think there's a lot of other characters that you can make an argument for that you might. Yeah. I mean, I love Emma Watson just like as a person. Um, My best casting is Maggie Smith. Yeah. I was going to say Maggie Smith and Alan Rickman are also. Alan Rickman was my other one, but the only drawback with Alan Rickman is the age thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, Okay. Worst casting. (laughs) Oh, I, I feel like Ginny is what's coming to my mind. I feel like Bonnie Wright is what's coming to my mind because we literally just yeah. talked about her. Um, That's what was on my I'm mind. Struggling as well. to find another one that is bad I, enough and as 
and is as consequential as that. Might argue for um, Michael Gambon. That was the other one that was coming to my mind, but I do just really because like of the some contrast. Things. I think it's just because of the contrast. I think if we had never gotten Richard Harris, I wouldn't be as disappointed with Michael Gammon. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, I also agree. am I saying the right names? I always yeah, no, hesitate you are, before I want. <laughs> Michael Gambon was the other one that I was kind of yeah. thinking about, but I don't think it's as bad as Bonnie Ray. Just because <laughs> I can like I feel like there's very few inherently bad things that he does. Like yelling at Harry and Four is obviously one of them. But I feel like there's more upside to him than there is to Bonnie Ray. Like I feel mm-hmm. like there's no scenes that she shines as Ginny in, whereas I do yeah, think there are fair. some scenes there's that fair. like Michael Gambin shines as Dumbledore in. But yeah. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Those are my questions. That's I that's what I have for the retrospective. Okay. Um, I think we talked a lot about this in the opening of part one of part two, but I do think this really made me like the movies less. Um, So I I thought that because we we recorded that a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, And then I watched three the other night and I like enjoyed it and had a good time. So I think like, I think like once I get distance and I think I always like the movies less right after I've read the books and like, yeah the first six of these I did that so um I do think it's just like a a time thing and I don't think it's like I permanently hate the movies more I think I'm just going to be more critical yeah I think there have been really few times that I've watched the movies like without Audrey basically (laughs) in the past like four years because like we watched a couple while we were in Sweden and then when I went to visit you a couple years ago we watched another one and I really can't think of another time that like I sat and turned on a movie yeah besides these like rewatches like I'm sure Mm -hmm. it has happened or like I'm sure I've like oh it's on I'll watch it but I don't know if there have been like any other times I've purposely put on one of them so I already was like pretty low on the movies before this (laughs) so yeah I I don't know honestly my biggest takeaway is that I wish that we would get a tv series because I think that it would be miles better (laughs) there you go that's your takeaway and maybe that's just me being like really optimistic and being like delusional (laughs) thinking (laughs) that I would like an ad because I honestly don't think I'd be fully satisfied with any adaptation and like I understand that but I think that we could get something that would be so much better than Mm -hmm. these at least Hi, I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And we're the hosts of Out of Contracts, a show where we watch and talk about a random episode of Star Trek every other Sunday. For each podcast, we've used a a random number generator to select an episode of any of the Star Trek series. And then we talk about the story of the episode, what the writers hope to accomplish, and how the episode fits into the larger tapestry of Star Trek as a whole. The thing is, though, that each of us has only seen about a third of the Star Trek episodes in existence, which means that sometimes I'll watch a late period Deep Space Nine episode and have no idea what's going on. It's fun! So, if you've ever wondered about the logistics of love on the holodeck, or what it would really look like if all the water got sucked out of your body, then listen to Out of Contracts every other Sunday at outofcontracts.podbean.com or wherever you download podcasts. Okay, so for our pop quiz question, just like every other movie rewatch that we've done and... uh, this is our last one. 
I just had to get that in there one more time. Um, <laughs> it is, what is your favorite scene from the movie? Yeah, so um, we only got two responses on the Facebook group. Um, Micah said, N, it doesn't matter that Harry's gone. S, stand down, Neville. N, people die every day. Friends, family, yeah, we lost Harry tonight, but he's still with us in here. So is Fred, Remus, Tonks, all of them. They didn't die in vain, but you will, because you're wrong. Harry's heart did beat for us, for all of us. It's not over. Yikes, we ripped that apart. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good dramatic reading. It was, it was good. Um, yeah, but we, sorry, Micah, we don't agree. I feel bad. I didn't look at these before we said that. Um, and then Morgan said her second favorite is Ron calling the Slytherins numpties. Yeah, what is and that? Her, <laughs> I think it's, and then when does that happen? Is in it the, when they're in the great the hall? Room. No, it's in the room of requirement. Oh, He's like, okay. that's my yeah, girlfriend, yeah. you numpties. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and in the first, her first favorite is when McGonagall performs Pier Totem Locomotor, do your 2 to our school. I guess I have to go with not my daughter, you bitch. Like, I'm struggling. I don't, and that's not even like a scene, but like, that's the part that I always want to make sure I see happen. You know, like, sometimes you, like, zone out a little bit during movies. That's the part I always pay attention for. So I think that that and, like, the pure totem locomotor. Like, I think those are my favorites. (laughs) It's just, like, two words. So I am deciding between the memories Mm -hmm. and... Harry's conversation with the gray lady just because I think those are two you of really my, like yeah yeah those are two of my like favorite parts of the book and I don't think that they were adapted horribly <laughs> I do really um, like the memories yeah yeah so I don't probably, like the gray lady in the movie <laughs> I don't mind her in the movie I really I really like the echoey tone of voice that they mm-hmm. make her have um yeah I don't know I think that I just, like, have very distinct memories of those two things and, like, can quote yeah. them. I feel like, yeah, I don't know. They're just, like, two of my favorite parts from the books, and I don't think that they're terrible in the movies, which is a pretty, I have a pretty low <laughs> bar, so. Okay. All right. Um, so that's, uh, that's it for the movies. Um, so yeah, please hit us with your episode ideas. And as Katie mentioned at the beginning of the episode, please go give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, I just thought of another episode idea. We could do an episode about the borough. Ooh, okay. Um, you can find us on social media. We are Wizard Studies Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can join our Facebook group on at on Facebook at Wizard Studies Podcast Group. Then you can email us at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash wizardstudiespodcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best. We'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all rocked. <laughs>